And really, when we focus and we're able to be, and I hate to use the word productive, because sometimes that, you know, when I think about productive, I'm thinking about (laughs) the little hamster or cogwheel, and yeah, you could be productive, but that's not a good way to live. That actually doesn't bring fulfillment. But to bring focus in a way that actually brings fulfillment, because you feel like you're getting your goals done, like what your intentions are, you're setting intentions, and then achieving those intentions. Hola friends, welcome to Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for physicians who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a relationship coach and high-performance coach, Dr. Please help me welcome our guest on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Sharon McLaughlin. Dr. McLaughlin is a board-certified plastic surgeon, a cancer survivor, has an autoimmune disease, and advocates for both emotional and physical health. Dr. McLaughlin is the founder of MindLull, which offers tools and journals to help focus and find fulfillment. Sharon is also the wife to a CRNA of 21 years and the daughter to an 18 year uh, and and the mother of an 18 year old daughter one dog and two rabbits please help me welcome the infamous Sharon McLaughlin of the female physician entrepreneur group welcome Sharon Dr. McLaughlin <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased. Yeah, it's really my pleasure to be here, Kate. Thank you so much for inviting me and let's talk. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much, um, Dr. McLaughlin, after your busy summit, you know, last weekend or, you know, two weekends ago. And I'm sure like everything is just always crazy in your life. So thank you so much time for coming to chat with us today. And let's just get started. I ask all of my guests what their definition of marital interdependence is, as for the first question. In other words, what makes a successful marriage? Because to me, marital interdependence kind of means successful marriage. What does it mean to you? To me, I think respect. Like there has to be respect. I think that's the number one word that comes up. Yes, you could have Uh love, but if there's not respect and everyone's definition of love and respect are different, but there has to be respect. Otherwise, you may feel like you're just being taken advantage of, you're not being appreciated. And I think things can really spiral down very quickly if you don't feel respected. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and then do you, like, how do you, um, is it more how you show respect or how do you show respect in regards to, you know, your hubby? Showing would be when he's talking, listening. Mm-hmm. And these are all things that I definitely am not a pro at, trust me. And I mm-hmm. always can use more work. But when he's talking to actually stop what you're doing to listen. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give you an example. This morning I got up <clears throat> and I have a lot of work to do. But he came down for coffee. He leaves around six. And I stopped what I was doing to go inside and spend just a few minutes. It's just a few minutes. That's all it takes to, you know, kiss him goodbye and just, you know, have a good day and just, you know, kind of be in the kitchen with them rather than being in the other room working, which honestly mm-hmm. I have done sometimes. And it's just not a great thing. You're only in the house for a few minutes before you leave. Spend some time together. You know, that's right. an example. And now when did you guys meet? We met a number of years back. I was resident 
And he was married at the time. And I always thought he was a good looking guy. I thought he was a nice man. Like I remember being able to talk to him really, you know, very easily. <laughs> and then I heard that he was separated, but we met basically in the operating room. I was a resident. I was a um, general surgery resident and he was a CRNA. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, how did, I mean, how did you guys fall in love? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I know I should know the answer here. We were friends. It started off with just, it was really easy to talk to him. And I think uh-huh. a lot of this actually had to do with timing. That's what I think looking back or even going through it, because we have an unusual story in the sense that um, some things that I wanted to get out of the way, like my loans, I know this mm-hmm. is like we're talking to physicians here, so they may not understand it. But I think a lot of this has to do with our upbringing. I had school loans and I wanted them paid off before I was ever going to get serious with anyone. That's what I had said to myself. I was all oh. about you know, working hard and getting those loans paid off that first mm-hmm. year. And I did that first year, uh, like 100000 I worked like a dog. And then I, I said to myself, okay, I'm ready. And he was there. He just happened to be there. But I always liked him. I always thought he was a good-looking guy. And then I heard that he was separated. Uh So I asked him to go out. You know, I said, you know, we're going to Central Park. We're going to go listen to the symphony. Would you like to go? And this was only like, um, I think I left a message or something. And he had said no to that. He was busy that night. But, you know, he followed up and he said, do you want to go out to dinner? And so I think at that point we took it to the next level. Do you know what I mean? Like just by going out, because that's not something we had ever done before. Yeah. So, and and then honestly, like within a week or so, he's like, do you want to move in? And actually I'm saying a week or so, but it truly was a week. And it was like a week after meeting him. I mean, after like going out with him. Yeah. I know. I think the shrinks would have a field day. (laughs) I really would. Right. I think he was separated. He was lonely. I, in my mind, had it in my head that I'm ready to meet somebody now. And I was like, why not? He's a guy. He's a good looking guy. It's more than looks, but he's like, he's a good guy. Like he works hard. He has all the values. He's very honest. And all the things that I was looking for. And I was like, well, why not? You know, and, and to tell you the truth, he laughs about it. But when I, as far as paying off those loans, I had moved into this like crappy housing. It was like I was renting a room and I didn't care. My sisters were laughing at me. They're like, you're an attending now. You're a plastic surgeon. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm paying off my loans is what I'm doing. All I did was hear a call. So he's like, you know, that, I think that's why he said, do you want to move in? And financially I could have gone and got another place, but it all worked out. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try this. And why not? It's like, this is okay. spontaneous. Okay. So you paid off your loans within your first year as an, an attending. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so did you meet him when you were a resident yeah, or I, mean, I knew him all along and then oh. I was talking to him still in the operating room as an attending. So we would still see each other. Okay. So yeah, it was the timing, right? So he, he was, he was available. And then that's when you kind of made your move. Yes. Mm, okay. And then, so he understood the surgeon life or did the, how did that, did that ever get in the way of like, you know, personal work life and personal life? How did you guys separate that? Or was that a issue? Yeah, it was an issue. Not initially. The initially, like he would take me to the, I remember, you know, traveling to do some call, like, you know, mm-hmm. overnight calls and stuff. I did call a fair amount and he would actually take me, you know, if he was off and it was the weekends, he would actually take me and he'd always push to go out to dinner, but I was not that comfortable going out to dinner when I was on call. I was never that relaxed. And okay. sure enough, you know, we'd order the food and uh, beep, 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 you know, you'd have to go. But, um, so that was all fine when we were without my daughter, when I became pregnant and had my daughter, that's when things changed. His life went on the same and my life didn't. 
And yes, you know, in retrospect, could we have gotten a live-in nanny? We talked about it. I really didn't want someone else in my house, you know. But with the hours that I was working, even though I was plastic surgery, I was doing a lot of call. Mm-hmm. My life, I think, in my, you know, in my opinion, it changed a lot. Where his life, yes, it changed, but his work schedule still went on. The way that his work schedule was was. You know, on Monday, he'd work a 12, on Tuesday, he'd work an 8, or, you know, Wednesday, he'd work a 10. And then all different places he was going to, and the following week, it was the same. So there was no consistency. It was very hard to rely on him for any type of child care, except for on the weekends. And so that's when I did. I, I moved my practice to, you know, doing Saturdays. And then doing one day a week as well, like at the evening. Where ho- And he had asked, that was one thing that he did ask for, like after on Wednesdays, could he not work after cert- like a certain time? So that helped. But still, it was me that had changed my career, you know, my, the way that I was practicing medicine because of the baby. Wow. So you're working on Saturdays and then one one day a week at night. Yeah. And then operating too, which we had daycare for. Oh, okay, during the day. So during the day you would like, oh, so those, were those like your clinic days and the, the Saturdays and weeknights? Clin- correct. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. when I would see the, the post-ops or pre-ops and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that worked out because most people work and, and they like mm-hmm. those hours. But as far as like a normal, I'll say like, you know, having off Saturday and Sunday, it wasn't oh, yeah. good. But that's what worked for us. So we did it for a number of years. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to give up those Saturdays. <laughs> So yeah, how did that affect your marriage? Because you said, you know, it didn't affect him at all. I can I can see like resentment creeping into some marriages. Correct. That's exactly what happened. So how did you guys get through that? A lot of fighting, you know, a lot of fighting. Um, probably those undertones or undercurrent statements, you know, those little like, um, how do you say them? You know, the uh, little jabs here and there that, you know, people do when there's resentment going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well then how did you like, did you um, make up every time or how, how, I mean, how does that resolve? How did you gain? Cause you, you talked about respect, right? So how did you reignite the respect? I think just with a lot of work, we did some marriage counseling mm-hmm. that helped. I think just knowing that, um, I think I made some decisions as well. You know, I, I stepped out of medicine, which made a huge difference. And because then I had more set hours and I was working from home remotely. Mm-hmm. So when I'm looking back, I, it's hard for me to say like the exact timeline, but this all kind of transpired together. She, um, she was older though. When I did that, those, those first few years were really rough. But once I made that decision to leave my clinical practice, life got better because I had set hours and I was working remotely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, some people, so, so, so a lot of people this happens to, and they decide that the marriage isn't for them anymore, right? So how did you guys know to just push through, even though those first several years were very difficult? I don't know if there's a definitive answer there. I'd have to say that if you feel like you still want to make it work and the partner, your partner feels like they still want to make it work, mm-hmm. then that's really what I think helps push it over, right? Because you can't just have one person pushing for the marriage Mm -hmm. because that gets very tiresome very quickly, right? Like it's exhausting. But if two people still want to work at it, and was it for my daughter? There were some days that it was rough. And Mm -hmm. there were some days that it was rough for him. And I'm sure he said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, but it's in the best interest of our daughter. And Mm -hmm. it was, 
uh, and I'm not saying for the people that go through a separation or a divorce that, you know, they didn't consider their kids. Everyone does. But it was the consideration of the daughter plus still the will to make this work From on both, both parties. parties. Yeah. Both parties. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, what was the, what kind of led you towards um, leaving medicine Well, and then doing what you do now? I think that I felt burnt out. Like I'm okay. sure I experienced full blown out for, for full burnout. I was never suicidal. I never thought about hurting myself because I've heard that from other people, but I just knew that this wasn't going to, like this was not a sustainable work schedule for me. I wasn't happy in my own life. And that was another issue with actually our marriage as well. Me now stepping out of my practice and a lot of questions like, why are you doing this after all these years of training and having to explain why I was doing what I was doing? I just knew it was time for me to step away that I, you know, I had done it for 11, 12 years mm-hmm. and I didn't see myself doing it for another 10. Like I kind of break things down into decades mm-hmm. and I just knew that I couldn't do that. So it was a lot of self-exploration, like what do I want? And I had my sisters asking me, you know, like, why are you doing this? It was, and Mm. friends too. So for those people that stepped away from medicine, you are going to have questions. All I can say is that it's your life. We have one life to live and that you get to make your decisions for your life. And yes, you know, people will ask, but it's up to you how much you want to share. Yeah. And well, well, and even when you did step away, like you stayed in the medical world, you've got how many thousands of women on your Facebook group? Um, and then you're constantly there and you're constantly helping people launch their businesses, start their businesses, helping women with weight loss. I mean, in a way I see you throw your whole self into what you do now. So how is it different than plastic surgery? Well, I'm not actually seeing patients, but I feel like I still help others. And that's why we go into medicine, right? To help others. Mm -hmm. So that's important to me. And I know that in some ways I still am helping people. Like I still use my license with the utilization management that I do. And I do some wellness there too. But it's all about helping people and by helping some physicians and, and also helping patients. Like right now there's a mental health summit coming up. I'm all too happy to promote it because I believe that mental health and pregnancy and postpartum is so important. It's not spoken about enough. Mental health isn't spoken about enough. So in a way, am I helping patients with that? I am because I'm going to help promote the event. And for those out there that need something like this, I'll be happy to let them know that this is available and that they should, you know, it's very, very rare that so many physicians get together to talk about mental health and pregnancy, take advantage of it. Right, right. Okay, so is it, is it actually mental health and pregnancy or mental health um, in regards to pregnancy? Or is it just both? both mental health awareness during pregnancy. During pregnancy. No. Okay, okay. And um, so, you know, I think my question, you took a different spin on it than I actually was expecting. Cause I was, I was wondering how you are not getting burnt. How do you prevent burnout in what you do now? Because you're like so fully in it. Like you could, you could just swing from medicine to now your entrepreneurship and still never sleep. Right. And still work all days on Saturdays. Do you have any systems in place to kind of prevent you from doing that or help you along? 
maybe my husband again. <laughs> so I'm publishing this book, right? I'm publishing this book this week. And oh it has, has to do with journal, like actual journaling, right? Journaling mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs, for specifically for women entrepreneurs, so that they can plan out their week, they can plan out the day, the following day, they can plan out their month, right? So I'm working on this and doing editing and whatnot. And the weekend comes and my best time is always Saturday morning early. So I'll get out of bed. And he's used to that, my husband. But then, you know, come 10, 11 o'clock, we want to go spend time together. And mm-hmm. I could work for another hour or two. But, you know, when we look outside, it's like in the high 60s. We want to get out and enjoy ourselves, you know? So my husband, if he wasn't there, I'd probably be more of a workaholic. So we decided to go to the beach yesterday and have, we went to a restaurant on the beach. And it's really nice. It's little over Long Island Sound. And we, you know, saw the sun and just very pretty. But just, you know, making, how do I say this? having boundaries. It always comes down to having boundaries, right? And, you know, I'll wake up in the morning before I start my regular job at eight o'clock to get some work done on my side business. And what I'll do with the group is, you know, given the summit, I wasn't there all the time. I was out there gardening and I would check my phone if there was anything happening, but I make it so that I can step away, like going for like what I'm trying to do now and going forward is that there are times that you can step away. And I didn't have that when I was doing practicing plastic surgery because I owed it to the patients where now there's set hours. Like if I want to put the group on approved posts so I don't have to be around and, you know, I have to worry yeah. about things going on. I'll do that for the weekend. Like, you know, somebody had just reached out to me and they're like, oh, my post is waiting. And I'm like, I know, but I'm on a break because I need a mental break right now, you know? So there's all different ways. Like, And your mental break will look different than mine or people listening, but there's ways to do boundaries. And I think the key is to answer your question, having boundaries in, in place. Ah, okay. Okay. And then tell us a little bit about your book, your book on journaling for, for women in medicine. It is for women. It could be in medicine. It could, really, it's for women entrepreneurs. Okay. Right? So, so many entrepreneurs, right? What, what's the failure rate of a business? Usually about 90%. So, why is that? You could say mindset. You could say there's a lot of different factors why this is the case. But I think a lot of it is just not planning out. Like, actually, we work. We're very busy, right? We But I think to some degree, we can perhaps spin our wheels. And really, what are the actions that we can take to really push our business forward that are going to, that's going to make a difference with our business so that we're no longer spinning the wheels? The whole idea of the journalist so that we can have focus. And really, when we focus and we're able to be, and I hate to use the word productive because sometimes that, you know, when I think about productive, I'm thinking about (laughs) the hamster or cogwheel and yeah, you could be productive, but that's not a good way to live. That actually doesn't bring fulfillment, but to bring focus in a way that actually brings fulfillment because you feel like you're getting your goals done, like what your intentions are, you're setting intentions and then achieving those intentions. Oh my gosh. I love how you just said that being productive does not bring fulfillment. It doesn't because look at, you know, the hospitals want us to be productive, right? But does that bring fulfillment? No, it brings exhausting the the way that, you know, what they define as being productive. Well, some of us are addicted to addicted to being productive, to productivity. Like we always, right. I mean, a lot of us women physicians and probably male physicians, if we're not being productive, we kind of feel like what's our purpose. Right. But Kate, I think this was instilled from us with our training, being women physicians, we always had to prove ourselves, go, 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 you know, always have our minds going. We always had to be better than everybody, you know, otherwise we were looked upon, even if we were just average, you were looked upon. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I think that's just in our nature. 
Yes. Yeah. We couldn't be average. Okay. So, and then tell, so, so instead of productivity, it's, it's turned more towards focus. Okay. And in that focus, you mean like your goals, what you actually want out of life. And that means you have to like journal on it. Correct. It's a journal. That is right. I ask some questions um, throughout the week, Monday through Friday is journal questions, as well as like a daily planner, as well as what you want for the week. There's a tracker in it, but there's some questions, you know, like so that you can really sit down and answer those questions, do some diving, right? What is the purpose of journaling? It's really to get your thoughts out on paper to Mm -hmm. really make increase awareness. Like what, what's going on here? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited. I'm already, I'm so excited to get this book. So can, when can we get it? It should be launching tomorrow. I am definitely having some problems with Amazon, but by the end of the week, it will be published and okay. it, you can find it at my website at mindlull. M-I-N-D-L-U-L. It's mind, M-I-N-D, and then lull, L-U-L-L. Okay. Mindlull. Okay. And that's dot um, com. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And by the time this episode is published in, in a couple of weeks, it will be, it will be available. So that hiccup will be smoothed out. And then I like to close all of my episodes with a little bit about finance and how you and your hubby manage finances together or, or separately. How does yeah. that work in your house? It actually is separately. And again, okay. the Sykes would probably say, but like, what's going on here? We have separate accounts where we did, and we just pay the bills. We kind of splits, like, but he would say it's not splitsville, but that's okay. Um, how do I do it? I do investments, real estate investing. And he's like, I don't want any part of that right now. He does a stock market. I do mutual funds. Um, we've had the mortgage paid off for a number of years now. Financially, we're, we're pretty good. She's might have one daughter and she's pretty good with college. You know, mm-hmm. we have a 529 plan. And so that's how we do finances. We just split, but it's not a hundred percent split. Cause when we go out to dinner, he's always paying and all. And I'm like, well, let me pay once in a while, you know, it's, but, um, but that's how we do it. And it seems to work. I, I give him some money for the house and uh-huh. it seems to work. Okay. It probably work. It works for me because I'm not paying as much. I guess I don't know, Kate. It, he doesn't complain, so I don't know. It works for you too. Okay, awesome. Well, any other take home points that you have for for um, anybody listening today? I think communication, right? Uh, really getting it out because you can speculate. But unless you actually are able to ask the questions, have those critical conversations, and in a way that is not so much resentful, but in a, also a way that's not judgmental. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you ask those questions, you may not want to hear it or you start getting judgmental. That really is. And then they're just going to shut up. Like, you know, they're going to put a wall up and it's really hard to get those people to talk. So have those critical conversations. It makes life much easier. Mm, the critical conversations, even when it may be uncomfortable. You have to, because otherwise there's just there's it's there regardless and you just haven't gotten it out and there can be some um like misconceptions of what's actually going on or how you feel or or how they feel right well beautiful well thank you so much dr mclaughlin i'm so glad you came to share all of your wisdom with us and everybody knows you know where your website any any other places we can follow you no i have mostly on social media at mindlow and on linkedin it's you know sharon mclaughlin Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was good. Thank you, Kate. What a wonderful episode with Dr. Sharon McLaughlin. Okay. So my big take-home points from Sharon. Number one, 
Being productive does not bring happiness. Being productive does not bring joy. Being productive does not create fulfillment in our life. This is kind of like a big one for me. This hits home because I am one of those people who, if I'm not productive, I'm not happy. (laughs) So I'm like, what? Being productive doesn't bring... And you know what? I mean, I totally get it because I can complete 100 tasks in a day and still not be happy if on my to-do list there was like 200 tasks. Or let's say I could complete 20 and if I really want to do 25 then I may not be unhappy. So I just love the fact that Dr. McLaughlin talked about journaling and figuring out what your big goals are. Like, what is your value? What are you you trying to accomplish in life? And what's it really about? Because if at the end of the day, I spent time with my three daughters, maybe connecting for a few minutes after work with my husband, uh, helping patients, even one, right? Connecting with somebody at work. And then getting enough sleep and all this is, you know, okay, family, connection with my husband, helping the greater of humanity and talking with you guys. Like even that, I think that hits like all my major life goals. So maybe, you know, just turning out more podcasts, more Instagram, Twitter, Facebook posts. Yeah. I kind of agree. I definitely agree. Being productive doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't create life fulfillment. So work on what does. Number two, children, having children can really change the dynamic of your marriage. Children can, can change everything. And we don't always realize that realize this until it's happened. I mean, we spend a lot of us spend so much of our lives waiting to have children, then trying for years to have children. And then if we eventually do have children naturally or maybe adopting, fostering, things change. In America, lives tend to family lives tend to revolve around the children, the children's activities, the children's eating schedule, the children's school. Whereas if you go to like other parts of Europe and South America, it's not really like that. You know, I know in Latin America, it it revolves around your family, like the grandparents are core. And I I don't know, maybe in Asian culture, it's kind of that way too. Like respect your elders, things kind of, you know, are just a little bit different. And in a lot of European countries. It's not so much centered around bringing your children from place to place. And when we do that, we just have to realize that we can, we can lose track of our spouse, of who we are, of the relationship we had created before the children. And a lot of us expect it to just maintain. And we're surprised when our relationship slowly fades away or falls apart because we're not putting any effort into it. We think we were so solid, so rock solid before children that it would just stay that way, which isn't the case. As you all know, I mean, everybody's growing every day. We're all changing. So we can either grow together or we can grow apart. And so children are not a bad thing. They just change things. Similar to your career, whatever your goals are in life. Children are wonderful. They're like presents. They're like presents that are given to us to actually see ourselves Uh, you know, like looking in the mirror or reflection. So whether you choose to 
take control of what's happening in your life, in your family life, is up to you. Number three, people will always question your intentions. Whether you leave work, whether you become, you know, study for 15 years to be a plastic surgeon and decide to leave or for three years or three or four years. I mean, not to be, you know, to do whatever else you want to do, to become a a realtor, (laughs) go into real estate. If you change from one thing to the next, if you leave medicine, go into real estate, leave medicine, go into business, go into coaching, go into finance, people are going to ask you why. They, they, they were curious. Human beings are curious by nature. And I think it's a really good quality. It's actually, honestly, a very good quality and can help foster a deeper connection in your marriage. However, when people are asking you questions, you may feel threatened, like, hmm, they're questioning my, no, they're just curious. So just be aware when you make these shifts, you don't have to be defensive you don't get have to get down about it. You don't have to get upset. Maybe you do initially and you figure out why. Uh, just realize people are going to question your intention. So if you have a strong why, if you know it's going to bring you happiness, figure that out and figure out if you want to respond or not. You don't have to. You may want to. I'm one of those people who you ask me a question, I could talk to you for an hour <laughs> and give you all the different reason why's. You know, like we often think that there's one answer for our actions and there's not, there's not like life brings things your ways. And there's oftentimes hundreds of emotions inside of us causing us to do different things at the same time. So when people question your intentions, no need to get defensive, no need to question yourself, just be authentic, be you. I mean, if you can't even explain it, tell them you don't even know. Okay. Moving on that is it my friends i hope you walk away asking yourself am i hoping productivity brings me fulfillment what am i doing in my life to gain the fulfillment i desire how have children changed the dynamic of my marriage and how do i want children to continue to be present in my relationship with my spouse How am am I going to allow my marriage or my relationship with my significant other to have a life of its own, independent of the children? How am I going to answer the next person who comes up to me questioning my actions, my motives, my big why? That is it, my friends. So much love to you and your spouse. If you are finding the concepts I teach in this podcast useful and want more in-depth, personalized support for your relationship, consider this your invitation to join me in creating the most connected and intimate relationship with your spouse that you could dream of. Go to www.medicinemarriageandmoney.com right now and download my 18-page Medical Marriage Survival Guide and Workbook at no cost to you. It has been known to decrease fighting, rumination, and grudges between your loved ones. If you want to take it a step further, 
really enhance the joy and connection in all of your relationships, including those most intimate and dear to you, sign up for a discovery call by clicking contact us and book a free consultation. Thank you for leaving a five-star review and for telling your friends about the podcast. You have the power to improve someone else's life simply by sharing and reviewing this podcast. Much love to you and your spouse. You are exactly where you need to be in this moment.